This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. This BFM Budget 2023 special is brought to you by Ma Singh. Good afternoon. You're listening to Live and Learn with me, Dashran Johan. Last Friday, Finance Minister Tengku Zafrol Tengku Abdul Aziz unveiled Budget 2023 at 372.3 billion ringgit, the country's second largest ever budget. However, yesterday, Prime Minister Ismail Sabri Yaakob of AMNO dissolved Parliament. The 15th general election will be called within 60 days, and the next government will either have to retable the same budget or go back to the drawing board and come up with a new one altogether. So putting elections aside, on this episode of Live and Learn, we are going to be analyzing the budget tabled in Parliament last week with a focus on women and gender equity. Joining me on the show today to discuss this is Sabrina Aripen of Srata, which is the Society for Equality, Respect and Trust for All Sabah, and Janelle Tan, Information and Comms Officer at the All Women's Action Society, also known as AWAM. Both Sabrina and Janelle are part of the Gender Budget Group. Welcome to the show, ladies. What are your overall thoughts on the dissolution of parliament after the budget has been tabled? I would have to say that I mean, given that all of us um, women's groups, even the gender budget group, for instance, where we sat for three, at least three to four hours on Friday night just to listen to the budget, to <laughs> analyze it, and to understand, and to see how they can be made better, and yet to find that parliament is dissolved on Monday. I mean, it's a it was a whirlwind. All, all I can say is, oh well, that may mean that the budget may need to be retabled. You know, given because it was not approved before it right. was before Parliament was dissolved. So that means that when the new government comes on board, then um, we would might have to kickstart the process all over again. It's just a matter of how soon or how later. But either way, it's the rakyat that gets hit. Um, because on one hand, you know, let's say if this budget is if this budget were to be passed, then you know the subsidies and everything would have been carried forward and would have been kickstarted next year. But given given the series of events, then it looks like everything else be pushed back. And let's say if the new government decides to redraft the entire budget, um, personally, I don't know how how fast the process would be because. You know, like whether they would actually start engagements all over again, or whether you know what sort of process they would go through. I personally don't know because I've never seen that time myself. Um, but either way, it's the racket that gets hit. Um, Sabrina, does Budget twenty twenty three do enough to address the needs of women uh, or push for you know gender equity? Uh, looking at the budget again, there was a lot of emphasis on the M forty rather than the B forty, and. Uh, I I find this a lot when it comes to the budget that the government tends to adopt a very charity mindset. Uh, it's a charity mindset driven budget rather than focus on development, especially when it comes to Sabah issues. So and the reduction of tax rates uh, and the introduction of more tax reliefs are not really beneficial for those in the B40 groups, um, including women. So that's my overall take. Janelle, what is your your thought? Basic, basically, certain parts of the budget, um, they were not informed. So, for example, right, if you were to look at the mammogram, uh, test and cervical cancer screening subsidies, right, if you look at it, it's eleven point five million last for budget twenty twenty two, and it's eleven million budget twenty twenty three. But the thing is, we don't know 
we don't know like what justifies this similar allocation. So is it because, for example, like, oh, is there a lack of access, for example, in uh, rural versus urban areas? What what are the gaps that justify this rationale? I personally don't know. Um, but this is something that the government needs to be very mindful of. Um, but I mean, just to just to quickly talk about like breast cancer, cervical cancer screening, because I did a quick of a, I did a bit of a you know survey of the landscape lab. Right. Um, so there are quite a few gaps that need to be addressed, at least from what I can see from policy briefs and etc. So things like um, you know, rural, oh, sorry, um, the mammogram test subsidies. So I think to my understanding, there have been issues when it comes to accessing the rural populations when it comes to these subsidies. So the question that would come would be with this allocation, for example, like go to the most, most of it channeled to rural outreach efforts, uh, communication efforts, for example, to make the subsidies much more accessible. What about the other barriers that impede women from even accessing these services? So for example, stigma, embarrassment. How how like how do you go on about addressing these factors? Have the has the government taken that into account when they make this allocation? So this is something very important. Um, and aside from that, just to very briefly touch on it, um, there's this the focus on sexual and productive health is actually really lacking. So, for example, from budget 2022, we've seen the period poverty um initiative for you know the hygiene kits being distributed for free to 130,000 um women, uh, sorry, adolescents from B40 communities, right? So that's very taken out in this budget. So does that mean that the period poverty issues addressed? I don't think so, because we don't exactly have the data when it comes to period poverty prevalence on a national level. So on what basis? So this, it looks like it might be a token-based project instead of something that the government is seriously looking at to really address period poverty. But yeah, so that's in brief. Um, are there any initiatives um, brought about by this budget that is genuinely helpful for women or families? Uh, Sabah was mentioned a number of times, I think, during right. the budget, which is uh, unusual. <laughs> anyway, uh, one of the specific allocations that we're talking about is about buses. And this is really essential in Sabah, especially Kota Kinabalu, where public transportation is basically non-existent. Mm -hmm. And as a result, of this lack of buses, a lot of people cannot afford to move freely uh, or at lower cost because, um, yeah, and, and these people include women who either depends on someone to take them around or they have to shell out a certain amount of money to go anywhere using Grab. And, you know, having buses would really offset this burden, financial burden on uh, people there. Yeah. Right. For me, I've managed to find one actually. It was actually going back to the cervical cancer screening because if you right. look at the uh, Minister of Finance's speech, right, they've actually mm -hmm. mentioned something, um, some techno, um, some initiative in collaboration with Program Rose. So I actually looked it up um, myself. Um, so apparently, Program Rose is this um self testing cervical cancer screening kit which women across the country can access and mm -hmm. to my understanding it was actually collaboration between um, a UM lecturer and an Australian foundation um, and apparently Malaysia was actually the first of its kind globally to have deliver, um, to have produced and administered such a kit and again to my understanding as well since 2019 um, they've managed to benefit I think more than 9,000 women from B40 communities. So the fact that the government is actually scaling this up to make this more accessible, hopefully more accessible to um, all women in Malaysia and, and girls if they need it, 
um, it's very good. I think it's a laudable initiative. Plus, um, this initiative is very good because it does address, you know, a couple of obstacles. One is the lack of time. So, you know, the time where you may need to take time off from work or whatever to go from your residence to, for example, the healthcare facility to get the test done and the waiting time and all, it saves all of that. That's one. The other obstacle is discomfort. I mean, last year, Awam did get a bit of backlash for, um, you know, um, bringing up this issue that seems to be talked about among netizens when it comes to discrimination experienced by young unmarried women, you know, when they tried to get cancer, uh, cervical cancer screening. So, and, and, and the other um, screenings as well for STD. So um, this, I think, may help overcome the barrier when it comes to stigma when actually assessing um, sexual reproductive health testing, which is good. Right. Mm. Um, there are certain things in the budget that stood out to me that I'd like to get your thoughts on. Um, Sabrina, the, the budget does address the issue of women in the workforce. Um, for example, uh, women are to be exempted from income tax for assessment years of 2023 to 2028. And this is to encourage them to return to work after taking a career break. And there's also um, 235 million ringgit allocated towards funding women entrepreneurs. Uh, are these um, good initiatives? So for, for Sabah, where income is the lowest, um, Sabahan women tend to benefit the least as they um, largely come from informal sectors uh, of the right. workforce. And um, yeah, all these incentives to hire women returning to work is great. Uh, but let's not forget the reason that one of the why women are not going back to work is because of childcare responsibilities. So my question is whether the tax savings is enough to actually motivate women to come back, considering that if they're in the lower income bracket, it doesn't really make sense. You know, all these tax cuts and what doesn't really benefit them at all. So are they re is it motivating enough for them to go back? And is it enough for them to afford childcare so that they can go back right. to work? The budget also saw allocations to form gender-focal teams in ministries and government agencies, as well as the Anti-Sexual Harassment Tribunal. Um, what are your thoughts on this? If I remember correctly, in the Minister of Finance's budget, he did not mention the specific allocation um, for the Anti-Sexual Harassment Tribunal. However, if you go to KPWKM's social media platforms, they actually revealed that 10 million was allocated. Right. Um, so 10 million, just to put in context, 10 million would have been allocated to the anti-sexual harassment tribunal operations and also the especially the awareness and advocacy programs that the Ministry of Women, Family and Community Development did permit to kick off the ground in order to make sure that the public um you know like does have a certain degree of awareness when it comes to sexual harassment and also about the bill. So I guess it depends on what, what the budget is next year or at least end of this year. Right. Um, but at least, well, I guess on our end, we do hope that, you know, when a new budget is approved eventually, um, hopefully next year as soon as possible, um, and when, you know, like, and when this allocation comes up again, then we really much hope that um, the ministry would basically uphold their commitments that were made um, during the second reading of the bill in parliament, which was, um, just to reiterate, one is the awareness and advocacy programs. But what I would like to emphasize is to collaborate with the women's rights NGOs, because one, we have the expertise, two, we have the reach, um, one other benefit that the ministry will definitely get is that when they allocate it or when they do it in collaboration with us, um, 
they probably won't need to worry so much when it comes to manpower because we'll be running some of the, at least I'm assuming that's what the collaborative status is. We will be uh, assisting when it comes to helping them to reach out to the community. So that will take a burden off the ministry's shoulders when it comes to looking for communities in need or um, those who are not aware. The, there is also, we should expect as well, like timely updates um, in terms of the tribunal appointments because shortly after the bill was tabled, you know, when the news reports were being released and as such, the minister herself did say that the tribunal appointments would take one year to be done. Um, so we're hoping if the budget allocation is not on too protracted a timeline, we're hoping that the tribunal will begin operations next year, like hopefully end of, you know, like third or fourth quarter of next year. That's what we're hoping. Um, there is also one more thing, which is um, the tribunal operations uh, in terms of it being expanded to all states. Because uh, I don't know if you guys remember from what the minister herself said in her speech, but she started off by saying that um, it will start off in a, probably in Glen Valley, but then the, the, the tribunal panel will move to wherever that's needed, right? But eventually it will be expanded across states. So we very much hope that this will also be realized. Um, there is also most importantly the monitoring and evaluation efforts of the legislation and also tribunal operations and that this uh, M&E committee should be comprised of um, NGOs aside from government representatives. So that's with regards to the anti-sexual harassment tribunal. Um, I think I'd like to touch on the local social support centers right. if that's okay because that's actually a very important thing when it comes to domestic violence. Not just domestic violence survivors actually but also other vulnerable groups. Um, by that we mean children. Um, elderly persons and persons with disabilities because that was what um, I think the purpose of the um, support centre is which is to provide other forms of welfare assistance to these mm -hmm. groups of people. So um, I think if I remember correctly like 21 million was set aside for budget 2021 for the setup of these PSSS we'll keep right. it short for that and then uh, budget 2022 4.5 million was allocated and then from what was what was being read out by the minister last week, 8 million was allocated for PSSS, right? So I've actually looked up this whole thing. It's actually quite um it's actually quite interesting. There are actually many, many gaps. Lah. So for example, um I think last year, right? Uh, I think towards the third or fourth quarter of last year, the minister herself did announce that uh three, for example, three um centers will be built um, in Kelantan, Johor, and Selangor. And there was also mention about the setup of mobile PSSS across um, different zones, uh, including Sabah and Sarawak as well. Um, but the thing is, right, when it comes to updates being provided by the Ministry of the status of setup of these PSSS, it's actually not consistent. Um, the only one that I remember is um, Kelantan, but that was after the location was identified. But as for the other locations of the other two PSSS in Slango Draw, I have no idea. And then you also have the impact, like whether the PSSS impact was being released by the government to the right. public. Um, honestly, it's all over the place. I've not come across any hardcore data about the impact of PSSS across the centers and across the mobile centers. The only ones that I know about is actually, for example, in March this year, apparently this Jalaja exercise was being done earlier, something like a mobile PSSS thing. Um, I only came across it because it was on P the PSSS um, Instagram platform. Right. Um, so only four, over 400 visitors frequented the three-day event. 
100 cases were successfully resolved. Other than that, I have no idea what the other PSSS progress is. Um, so we also don't even have data of, you know, to what extent the actual reach these PSSS is because these centers are meant to penetrate, a, you know, like all communities, including, you know, those within the Kawasan Pedalaman or, um, you know, those, you know, whom we can infer to yeah. a very low awareness about gender-based violence and other forms of welfare assistance. So that is pretty much we don't know. So monitoring evaluation efforts of PSSS and from there to justify the allocation, that's very much lacking. Um, in terms of addressing gender-based violence in general, I really have to go back to what Sabrina mentioned at the very beginning, which is, in a way, it's not long-term focused because right. you don't see... What about D11's allocation? Yeah, That was allocated in 2021, but... Uh, sorry, for 2022, but we don't see it now, right? It's disappeared. Um, and we have to remember that Wabi Kastri Fatu herself brought up a few questions which were important to be considered. So... Um, for example, the, the allocation was not even in uh, Channel to D11 by June this year. So what actually happened to the allocation? And was it actually enough to address for the shortage in manpower? Because even um, ACP CT Kamsia herself said that uh, out of the what? 90 plus thousand IP addresses, only 103 were being sorted out. And there were only what? Three investigating officers with rank of inspector in MICAC. I mean... We don't have answers to all these questions. You know, as a Sabahan um, and from a Sabah-based NGO, what is your take on this? Do you think that more, um, whether when it comes to, you know, allocations for, um, you know, anti-sexual harassment, gender-based violence, so on and so forth, do you think that it should be more, the allocation should be more and it should focus um, towards Sabah and also Sarawak as well? Yeah, the thing about, you know, when it comes to allocation for Sabah, it also tends to center around Kota Kinabalu. And you know how large the landmass of Sabah is. And we cannot um, possibly support everyone from all districts just in Kota Kinabalu. So it was really important to also have support systems in other places like Tawau and Sendakan or, you know, somewhere um, in the rural areas as well. And we, at the moment, I don't believe that we have any shelter homes for for victims of domestic violence, aside from the ones that are in Kota Kinabalu. So people from rural areas actually have to travel all the way just to come uh, to, to get their help. Yeah, and, and this has been going on for so many years. And... I mean, not just in terms of domestic violence support or, you know, sexual harassment support, but also in terms of healthcare as well, like maternal healthcare. Did you know that people living in rural areas, they actually, a lot of them would prefer to come out of the kampongs to a proper hospital in order to deliver. And a lot of times it's in Kota Kinabalu. And what happens when your roads are so bad that you can't access maternal health care. Right. You know, that's that's an issue that's really happening, even though we talk about mobile clinics and whatnot, but it's not providing the same amount of care as right. the people in urban areas. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's something that uh, needs to be addressed. Um all right, before we wrap this conversation up, um, I would like some final thoughts. Um whoever the next government is, should they maintain this budget? Um, you know, retable <laughs> the same budget again. 
Or should they go back to the drawing board and, and make a new one, perhaps with a different philosophy, starting with you, Janelle? It's not a straightforward answer. La. Right. I think, you honestly, there's so many factors to consider, right? Like which government actually becomes the new one next year, um, and et cetera, and et cetera. But I think the most important bottom line that I think we all can agree on is um, that the new government, whoever it is, should be responsive to the rakyat's needs. And if the timeline is not too protracted, if possible, the budget um, should be improved on. Mm-hmm. That's my take on it. Sabrina? Yeah, well, my take on it is I hope whoever it is going to be for the next government, please focus more on development, you know, rather than throwing money at us and hoping it will solve the solution. Because all this, um, all these cash aids are just short-term solutions. What we really need is better development, like better roads, better bridges, so that uh, people have better access to the needs, to their basic needs. Yeah. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you thank so you. much. That was Sabrina Aripen and Janelle Tan of the Gender Budget Group. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Darshan Johan, and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. This BFM Budget 2023 special was brought to you by Marseille. Reinvent spaces, enhance life. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.